Sound Words, Christian Magazine, Volumes 71-80. Republished by Irving Rich, host of Down to Earth but Heavenly Minded Podcast. Meditations on the Ark of God. David's Exercises in Relation to the Ark. After David had brought the Ark of God to Jerusalem, and set it in the midst of the tent he had pitched for it, the Ark became the center of the worship of Jehovah. It was in the presence of the Ark that the king offered his burnt offerings and peace offerings, and he appointed certain of the Levites to minister before the Ark of the Lord, and to record. And to thank and praise the Lord God of Israel. 1 Chronicles chapter 16 verses 1 to 4. Worship, praise and thanksgiving flowed freely to God when the Ark had its proper place in the midst of his people. There had been nothing like this all the days of Saul. Samuel the prophet had been with Israel, and the ark was in the house of Abinadab in the hill, but the worship of Jehovah had been neglected. Now that the ark was cared for, there was a portion for Jehovah from his people, and the people had their portion, for after the king had offered his sacrifices, and blessed the people in the name of the Lord. He dealt to every one of Israel, both man and woman, to every one a loaf of bread, and a good piece of flesh, and a flagon of wine. 1 Chronicles chapter 16 verse 3. It is still true that there can be no true worship for God from his people unless the true ark of God is in their midst. When on earth, the Lord Jesus said, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Matthew chapter 18 verse 20. Without the presence of the Lord there will be little of worship for God from his people. The individual can indeed be true to God, and worship flow from his heart and spirit, but there is something very special belonging to the assembly of the saints of God with Christ in the midst. And this is available for even two or three at all times. When Christ is in the midst of his own there will indeed be a suited portion for God, that which answers to the burnt and peace offerings, and there will also be that which answers to the bread, the flesh and the wine for his people. God will see to it that if his people give him his portion they will have something for themselves, that which will sustain and cheer them. From the king there was a special note of praise, even the psalm that he composed, beginning with, give thanks unto the Lord, and ending with, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel forever and ever, and all the people said, Amen, and praised the Lord. 1 Chronicles chapter 16 verse 8 and 36. Are we not reminded by this verse of what is written in Psalm chapter 22 verse 22 and Hebrews chapter 2 verse 12, In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. Christ is not only the center of his gathered people, but the leader of their praise to God the Father. What took place on that memorable day when the ark was brought up to Jerusalem was but to be the commencement of David's care for Jehovah and his ark. For, he left before the ark of the covenant of the Lord Asif and his brethren, to minister before the ark continually, as every day's work required, 1 Chronicles chapter 16 verse 37. There was to be continual praise to God, with one of the chief musicians leading the praises. And this according, as every day's work required, for there would be special causes for thanksgiving and praise to God as day succeeded day. Nor had the king forgotten that Jehovah had blessed the house of Obededom while the ark remained under his care, for with Asaph and his brethren there were Obededom with their brethren, to be porters, 1 Chronicles chapter 16 verse 38. Those three months during which the ark was in the house of Obededom had demonstrated that there was a man who knew how to care for the ark of God, and who in this had the approval of the Lord. It was therefore fitting that he should have a special place in caring for the ark when it was brought to the city of David. Although the ark had been brought to the city of David, the king's heart continued to be exercised regarding it, so that it is written, it came to pass, as David sat in his house. That David said to Nathan the prophet, Lo, I dwell in an house of cedars, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord remaineth under curtains, 1 Chronicles chapter 17 verse 1. Nathan judged that David's thoughts were right thoughts, and said to him, Do all that is in thine heart, for God is with thee.
it was indeed good that instead of consulting the captains of thousands that the king had spoken to the prophet of the Lord. But Nathan had answered before obtaining the mind of the Lord. It is indeed good to consult servants of the Lord in regard to his things, but the answer of the Lord's servants is not enough, for the Lord himself must be consulted. In removing the ark to Jerusalem, David had failed to consult God's servants, who might have directed him to God's word. Now, he realizes that he must have the Lord's mind on his actions, and God shows him that it is not enough to consult the prophet, it is necessary to have his word on the matter. For as there is the complete word of God to direct us in all things, but David was asking about something for which there was not direct direction in the law of Moses. As there had been with regard to the manner of carrying the ark. Therefore God intervenes to give his word to the prophet. It came to pass the same night, that the word of God came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell David my servant, thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not build me an house to dwell in, 1 Chronicles chapter 17 verses 3 to 4. It was good that David was exercised concerning the ark of Jehovah, for it showed that he was truly interested in the Lord, but more than exercise was required in this matter, and that the mind and word of God. There is surely a salutary lesson for us in all this. It is right for us to be continually exercised about the things of God, but our exercises have to be directed according to the mind and will of God. And this can only he as we are governed by the word of God. David, at this time, was not near enough to the Lord to discover for himself his mind and will. But he had learned that in such matters it was best to seek God's mind through one who was near the Lord. Very graciously the Lord goes into the matter with Nathan, recounting how he had gone from tent to tent, and from one tabernacle to another, since the time he brought up Israel, and had never asked any of the judges. Why have ye not built me an house of cedars? In spite of all the waywardness of Israel, God had been with them, content to share their wanderings and to dwell in moving tabernacles. Now God has a message for David. He had been with his servant, cutting off all his enemies and making his name great. Then he looks forward to the time of Israel's future blessing, saying, I will ordain a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, and they shall dwell in their place, and shall be moved no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness waste them any more, as at the beginning, 1 Chronicles chapter 17 verse 9. This time has not yet arrived, but it will surely come. Israel will yet be established in their own land, under the new covenant, blessed of God, and the center of his government of the earth, according to the many promises to Abraham and through the prophets. If the nation is to be singularly blessed of God, David has a special promise, Moreover I will subdue all thine enemies. Furthermore I tell thee that the Lord will build thee an house. As we look over the history of the house of David, it is to see the sovereign goodness of God and his faithfulness to his promise. In spite of the unfaithfulness of many of the sons of David, God never turned aside from his promise to build his servant and house. David was to go to be with his fathers, but God would raise up his son. Of him, God said, he shall build me an house, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son, verses 12, 13. This was indeed partially fulfilled in Solomon, but other scriptures show that Christ was in view. It is in Christ that the throne is established forever, and, as the builder of the temple, Solomon is the type of him of whom the prophet writes, Behold the man whose name is the branch. And he shall grow up out of his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Even he shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule upon his throne, and he shall be a priest upon his throne. And the counsel of peace shall be between them both, Zechariah chapter 6 verses 12 to 13. Christ also is the son of whom Solomon was a type, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 5. What is spoken of in 1 Chronicles chapter 17 verse 14 could only be fulfilled in Christ. David's exercise of soul and God's word to him through the prophet had a very excellent result. 
for David the king came and sat before the Lord. In the presence of the Lord the king poured out his soul in thanksgiving. The king found deep pleasure in all that God had promised, and said, Let it even be established, that thy name may be magnified forever. He had learned that in God redeeming his people out of Egypt, and in driving out the nations before them, his name was great and terrible, 1 Chronicles chapter 17 verse 21. This very sweet paean of praise ends with the words, Now therefore let it please thee to bless the house of thy servant, that it may be before thee forever, for thou blessest, O Lord, and it shall be blessed forever. David's heart rested firmly on the promise of God to bless, and in spite of all that he passed through, and the failure of his house. This same confidence in God remained with him to the end, for in the last words of David we hear the king saying, Although my house be not so with God, yet he hath made with me an everlasting covenant. Ordered in all things, and sure, for this is all my salvation, and all my desire, although he make it not to grow, 2 Samuel chapter 23 verse 5.